You are listening to the Remotepreneurs Podcast. Here, you'll learn how to adapt to a new future of doing business remotely by listening to interviews with the new breed of entrepreneurs called Remotepreneurs. Now, welcome your host, a remotepreneur that came from the factories to building multiple location independent incomes all remotely, Philip Ville Stankowski. Hello, Remotepreneurs. This is your host, Philip Will. I'm still locked in my home in Macedonia. I had plans to go to Sri Lanka, then to go to Bali. In June, I was supposed to speak, but nothing of that happened. So instead of complaining, we should be creative and we should bring some kind of positive value to the world. And that's why I'm doing this interview. On the other side, we have uh, Beu. And he has a quite interesting story, I must say. He started initially his entrepreneurial journey around 12 years. When he was 12, he was selling uh, customized socks online. Then after three years, age 15, he when everybody was getting drunk, I guess, like me, uh, (laughs) he started uh, with Amazon, got suspended because he was doing some, let's say, tricks that worked on eBay but were not allowed on Amazon, but he didn't quit at age 15, really important. Uh, he continued, he finished and graduated high school around 2017. He was, uh, he got a scholarship for Pepperdine University. He initially started going to the university and started his YouTube channel. But after five days going to the university, he realized that it doesn't have any value. So he just decided to focus on building his own personal brand, his own personal Amazon business and in just seven months after making that decision he hit the scary one million dollar in his business and definitely this is an interesting story that Beu can share about uh, earning money online because a lot of businesses and a lot of jobs that existed before this crisis probably will not exist and people need to transition to online and especially e-commerce will be a booming industry. So definitely this is an episode that you should listen to. And Beu, he has a quite interesting story and a background and track record of succeeding. And also he he has a book regarding how to start on Amazon. So definitely an episode that you should listen. Beu, thank you for being part of the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Definitely excited to you know, share some insights. But yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, it's quite interesting that you started at age 12. At age 12... What I was doing, I was actually going to the river with my father, enjoying the nature. I didn't have any money. I didn't care about, I didn't even thought about business maybe until 22, 23, to be honest. It's a bit different story in Eastern Europe, but I, I know that America is a little bit more entrepreneurial, I must admit. But age 12, how did you got the idea to start with the business at age 12? Where did you get the inspiration? Yeah, so I was definitely lucky enough to, uh, I would say I had a father who was a little bit entrepreneurial. He tried some businesses, um, but definitely failed a little bit. So, but he was always kind of teaching me about how, you know, business is kind of the way to go, that if you really want to, you know, create wealth, it's going to be hard to do as just a, you know, uh, an employee. Um, so I think he kind of subconsciously always pushed me into doing something like I always, 
I was always trying to make money in some area. I was, I did a paper route for a little bit. I would pick up dog poop from my neighbor's yards and stuff like that. Um, I was a referee for like basketball, things like that. But yeah, so I knew how to make listings and stuff on eBay. Uh, cause my father was kind of dabbling into eBay as he was doing a couple businesses and went up and down. Um, so I knew how to make some listings on eBay and then, yeah, I guess the thing that really kind of jump started me to get going is I remember I saw, you know, the opportunity with the socks cause all these kids were going crazy with these Nike elite socks that they were spending like $12 um, for a pair of socks, which were ridiculous. But I was like, okay, you know, people, they wanted different types of colors of these Nike on a few different colors. So I saw that opportunity and then practice what pushed me to put them online was due to the fact that like I, I no other choice. My principal said I can't keep collecting money on school grounds. And that really just kind of opened the idea of like, wow, there's money to be made in this entire online space that, you know, people are shopping online so much. Um, back then eBay was still pretty big, but Amazon was even larger, but yeah. So yeah, I mean, nice. I, guess, I, I mean, it's, it's a nice, nice intro. You did, you did have the entrepreneurial uh, background. I think Mark Cuban is a little bit the uh, same story. He started with, uh, I think, newspaper delivery, something like that. And after that, he teaches uh, Latino dance, uh, restaurants, et cetera, et cetera. And he became a billionaire. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think yeah. he was uh, doing, he had like a bar before he was 21. It was like illegally yeah. that he was operating like at college, but it turned out to be very well. So. Yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely. Actually, in my country, you cannot actually operate any type of business-related activity before 18. Oh, really? Yeah, you cannot open up a business. You cannot have a bank account, like a ID or anything before 18. Yeah, Drive America's a car, etc. Yeah, America, I, don't, I think there's certain... Yeah, you definitely can in some aspects, but America is definitely pretty... That's why I'm definitely lucky to, you know, be able to be born in America with a lot of opportunities and things like that. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay. So you started with the socks. How did it invent your first attempt at a real business for you? Yeah. So I would say really from like in middle school and high school, I wasn't really, it was more of a hobby for me. It wasn't really that I was actively trying to make a, I mean, I was trying to make money, but I wasn't really, I wasn't seeing it as a career really that makes sense. Like I was going to school and like, you know, the typical route you go to school and try to go to college and you have some other professional, um, you know, the career, things like that. So it wasn't until I would say my senior year of high school. So practically my last year, um, before going into college things like that, where I started to take a lot more serious because, um, I was a really competitive cross country and track runner. Um, and my dream was to become a professional athlete. I wanted to go to the Olympics I actually wrote down on a, one of my, like on my uh, doors in uh, one of my bedroom, like the Tokyo 2020 to run the Tokyo Olympics, which now those are canceled. Um, but um, <laughs> yeah, so I was really big into running, really big into cross country. That was like my thing, but I was still kind of on the side operating my business. I had a few shipments going on. It was kind of just fun to make some extra money. But uh, yeah, it wasn't until my senior year where I got injured and I was practically injured for an entire year and I had no idea to do what to do. I was like, I went from practically running 80 to 100 miles a week, which in kilometers, uh, that's a lot of kilometers. I think that's like a few hundred, but anyway. Um, yeah. So I was like, I had nothing else to do. And I was like, the only thing that I'm kind of good at is my business. So I was like, okay, well, if this running thing doesn't work out, I'm just going to make sure that I have my business as a backup that I can just pursue this and make this as a professional career where I don't have to depend on anything else. Cause like 
I knew that I had a bunch of scholarships to go to college and I wasn't really wanting to go to college just for the education, just to go run track and cross country. I was never really like thinking, okay, I mean, do I want to be a lawyer or a doctor, things like that? It just was not my mindset. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really started to take it seriously when I kind of got injured. And yeah. Okay. I, I, I'm just interesting. Like how, how did you manage to separate yourself from the other, let's say teenagers? I mean, I'm just putting yep. myself when I was in the teenager, I was just going for drinks and I didn't even thought about, you know, work, etc. I had a little bit of drive, but it never sparked like you did. Like, how did you educate yourself? Yeah. So I actually kind of got rid of most of my friends. I really like, I would say practically any single person that was in my life that wasn't really, um, I would say adding much value to me, which was practically every single one of my friends. They were, it's not that they were bad people. It's just, they were not really productive. Like they were going out and drinking. They were, um, not really focused on themselves. They were just, you know, focused on having fun, which wasn't a bad thing, but I just kind of put my way for myself away from them separated. A lot of them thought that I was, you know, being rude by not being friends with them and being a loner. And I was like, I don't really care. Um, but I definitely found myself actually going on YouTube quite often and like uh, listening to other like wealthier people online. I remember watching YouTube videos from like Ty Lopez, um, read the book laws of success by Napoleon Hill, which was a huge, I think when I read that was a huge game changer for me. Um, and the biggest thing I got out of the book was just really, you have to take massive action in a very concentrated effort. Because if you look at most people that are employees or most people who are trying to start a business, like everyone has 24 hours in a day, but how much of that is just wasted towards stuff that is not making you more money or getting to your goals. And I started auditing myself. I was like, you know what? I just spent the last couple years literally day in, day out, spending hours a day on, you know, running faster and being a faster track athlete. And what if I just took all that energy, blood, sweat, and tears into making more money in my business? I was like, okay, I'm just going to have take massive action. Anything else that's a distraction, I'm not going to, you know, worry about going to parties. I'm not going to worry about friends and things like that. I'm just going to put all my concentrated effort into my business. And I think with most people, like, um, there's probably like, I would say, for most people in some aspect in life, they've probably taken a lot of action and a lot of effort into something could be a relationship could be with um, a hobby or something like that. But um, it usually, I feel like it struggles a lot of people to put into their business because there's not a lot of like instant gratification and there's not a lot of like, you don't really see a lot of wins right away. Um, I was lucky enough that like when I started my business at a young age, I did have a lot of early success that I think kind of helped me to be a little motivated in that. Um, But yeah, so long story short, like managing friends and things like that, like I kind of just really cut off yeah, that that that's really a strong decision to make at that age yeah. to be honest yeah. like congrats congrats tell me that's interesting uh nowadays people want instant gratification for me personally nothing worked at the beginning like i have to put probably 10 times more effort and it's going to be have to go through shit storms 10 times worse to actually get some success and usually people quit at that point, right? They don't get the instant gratification until they get, let's say, one time some kind of success and they just taste it. And after that, you cannot quit in some way. What message you can share with the young people, with the young audience that will not get instant success, they will not get instant gratification, what they should do or what's the motivation to keep until they go to the success? Yeah, that's a good point. I think it's definitely a fine line because I think there's also 
probably a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners who, or, or people that are trying to be entrepreneurs, people are trying to make money. And they're sometimes in, I would say business models are in vehicles that are not really, you know, big enough or scalable enough where they're completely saturated. Like there's tens of thousands of people trying to run Facebook ads right now. There's a lot of people trying to start up Shopify stores and Amazon business, things like that. So I think the first thing is, I think people should spend a lot of time just kind of thinking to themselves on like, what's their long-term goal behind it all? Like what's the impact they're trying to make and, um, and it, what they're doing, like, is it actually going to work for long-term? Like, does it make sense? Is there any holes with it? And try to just always like before starting it or before pursuing a lot of action, just try to like, try to pick a part to see what could go wrong and not in a negative way, but just to try to prove yourself that, okay, you know, that you're not the smartest person in the room. But anyway, for the instant gratification thing, I would say like, I don't know. I just, I think it all relates to expectations, right? Because a lot of people, um, it's not really easy to operate a business. So I think people make a mistake that they see things online. They see people on Instagram and Facebook where it's just like people, all they show is just the highlights of everything. Um, so I would say with most people is like, give yourself a set period of time. Like, and don't make, don't be a month. Like give yourself six months, eight months a year and just be that your entire full focus that this is what you're going to work on. And if you start to come across like problems and obstacles, try to figure out, is it because, you know, you're not taking enough action? Is it because you're not you know, being smart enough? If you're not working hard enough, or, or is it because you're in the wrong like business model or vehicle? Um, but definitely give ample time. Like, like if you think three months is enough time, we'll give yourself six months. Um, and just definitely try to give yourself more benefit of the doubt, but that's what I would kind of say. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I like that idea. Basically just, uh, figure out a goal that is uh, like, like say proof of concept. You're giving yourself, let's say six months. And if that business model doesn't work in three or six months, whatever you, you're set to yourself, but yeah. real expectation, you will not be reaching three days and 12 seconds as the guru says then you might consider changing the business model that that's that's quite quite interesting uh yeah. tell me it's a little bit hard uh to give up something that you were building let's say one year two years five years and it doesn't work and you honestly know it doesn't work because you don't have the right business model like how people can get over that because everybody's saying don't quit just continue as long as you don't quit you will yeah. not lose etc yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I know like in my eBay business, I don't, I mean, I still sell on eBay today, but it's a very, very small amount compared to Amazon. And it is kind of hard because some people that could have like small little amounts of success. I remember when I was selling on eBay, um, I was doing okay with it, but it was always, there was a plateau. Like I could never get past a certain point where it actually like be money that would be worthwhile. Um, but I think like for those types of people, I think it doesn't matter what thing that you're trying out. I think it always just kind of just, you always, you kind of just want to find if there's any holes in what you're doing and try to always adapt to that. Because I think a lot of people just kind of follow the herd and are kind of just like sheeps and just try to follow what everyone else is doing. But there's, I think there's always a lot of value into like trying to create up something on your own or trying to have a different angle towards it all. So, I mean, with people that are trying for a year, five years, six years, I know there's a lot of people like in network marketing that will be in network marketing for like five, six, seven, eight years and never even make any money. Um, I think a lot of just self-reflection, like for myself, every single night before I go to bed, I always just kind of think of like, okay, what's my long-term goals and what am I going to do tomorrow? Um, what am I going to do in the next month? And what am I going to do in the next like four or five years? So I think definitely giving people yourself enough time to just think for the long-term 
And if what you're doing right now doesn't fit for that long term, then you may want to reevaluate what you're doing. I think just right there, that could probably help um, some people to, like quitting faster or not quitting faster. So, yeah, I, I like your idea that you're basically self reflecting yourself every night. How do you build a habit to do that? Yeah, I've just always done it for some reason. Like okay. ever since I could think, I've just always thought, um, yeah, it just became a habit I just did every single day. And I can't go to bed without doing that, I guess. Wow, nice, nice, nice. Respect, respect. I'm trying to do that every day. I'm not that, you know, disciplined and I don't want to bull bullshit people. Yeah. Like everybody's like, you need to do this and this and this. It's step one, step two, step three. And they, they are not doing that all the time. Respect yeah. for that. Okay. Uh, tell me, uh, are you running your business your own? Are you outsourcing? Do you have full-time employee? What's the structure there? Yeah. So about two years ago, um, I was completely a one man show. I was doing everything and anything. Um, I had my Amazon business that was doing well. I had my YouTube. I had, we had a personal brand business and was definitely adding on a lot of, um, projects. And what I realized it was kind of the first time this happened about two years ago, I was in Utah um, just middle of nowhere in America, practically it was cold out. And like, it was the first time I ever got burnt out. I felt like, I mean, I've never really been burnt out ever in anything with school, with sports, with business, but I definitely felt like, okay, first time I've ever been burnt out. And I think the practice, what it came down to was like, I literally was just trying to do way too much stuff. Um, giving myself like trying to do 40 hours of work in one single day. So I realized, you know, if you think of like Google, right, Google has like, like a hundred thousand employees or something like that. And if each employee just worked like eight hours a day, they would get like 90 years of stuff done one day or something like that. So I realized for myself, you know what, even because like the biggest thing with me is like when I tried to outsource things, if someone wasn't doing it fully right or better than me at the start, I would just get really flustered because like, oh, I know I could just do this better myself or like, why would I pay this person X amount per month when I could just do it myself and things like that. And then I started to kind of just re shift on my thinking of whenever I hire someone, an employee, a contractor, a virtual assistant, I try to think of it as an investment. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to be paying them X amount of dollars per month. That's probably not going to make me money month one, month two, month three, but can I see it start to yield me some profits on four months after that, things like that. So, so yeah, today um, in my Amazon business, we have about five people that work on sourcing out products that are managing our Amazon account. Um, we have now two virtual assistants, but now I think by the end of the year, we might have a lot more, we're really ramping up things in my Amazon business, um, where I think we'll probably have 10 to 15 virtual assistants by the end of the year. Um, in the personal brand education business that I have, it's definitely a lot more complicated. Like we have two full-time people just for my software. Um, we have two full-time, uh, customer support people that we're just adding one person on right now. So it's about to be three. We have um, three people that answer the phones. We have an operation guy. We probably have around 10 people that are on the team. Yeah, we know we have, we have 10 people that are on the team that are contracted or like employees, things like that. Um, but yeah, you know, it's what I've realized. I mean, practically two years ago, one man show. Now I have, it's not a lot, but between my Amazon business and education business and software I have about like 15 people that I'm having to manage, which it's, it's actually a lot less stressful now. It's like, I can finally count on the people and I know that I can go to bed each night and like, okay, this person is in their role and they're doing way better than what I could have done. But I did realize one thing I got really bad at hiring people. I got really bad at outsourcing and every single thing that I 
felt like that I failed at when I was hiring someone is because I did not have any experience doing it myself at all. Um, like I hired video editors, I, I hired people to run Facebook ads, I hired um, SEO people, all this stuff. And I realized that anything I did not have a basic knowledge in, it usually I ended up paying way too much or I was paying people that just got really awful results. But then now what I practically did, I spent like six months of my time just learning every single thing that I wanted to outsource and be able to have, be able to do it myself, not to like actually do it myself. So then I could have a conversation with a software person or with an SEO person or the ads person like, Hey, like I know what decent results are. I know what they're doing. I know all the ter like terminology with it all. So now I can have a basic conversation with them and kind of speak their language, which has really helped me to like be able to go higher at like way better rates and way higher quality people. But anyway, that's kind of my spiel. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. I understand. I think everybody's saying like outsource, outsource, hire a VA, etc. Et that's a topic now. But like, when, when is the smart thing to, to outsource? When, when should people outsource? Like right away, like when starting a business, like when, when it's a smart move? Yeah, to, good to point. So I would say I'm definitely a firm believer that if someone's starting a business, I think they should know being a business owner, right? If they're the CEO, right? If they're not just a salesperson, if they're not just a marketing person, like if they're the owner, if they're the one calling the shots, I think they should know every aspect of their business from customer service to sales to marketing. Um, so do it all themselves at the start. Because I don't think someone, I don't think a business owner just for myself, I don't think a CEO should hire someone if they wouldn't do it themselves as well. So I think it just gives a lot less friction in regards to um, hiring someone and understanding if they're actually getting results for you, if you know what they're doing. Um, and if you know you could do it yourself as well. So yeah, anyway, what I would say is, ideally outsource as fast as possible, but only if you know that that person, like if you're paying someone, let's say 15 bucks an hour, as long as they're producing you more than that and save your time, that's great. I know like uh, Henry Ford, like in the, actually in the book laws of success, like he talks about how he was paying like employees like $5 a day, which was like a crazy amount back in like the thirties or something like that. But he did it because he was making at least $7 50 cents an hour. So anyway, what I would say with outsourcing, like ideally if you can outsource right away, but for that to happen, I think every owner should understand how to operate their business inside and out first um, before outsourcing so they can tell if they're getting an ROI or not. Yeah, yeah, definitely makes sense. If you don't know what's the task, like how, how can you know if they're doing a good job? Exactly. You're yeah. just paying money. Yeah, yeah, makes sense, makes sense. When you're outsourcing, do you provide uh, standard operating procedure, SOP, like processes, systems before hiring them or... You hire them and they need to do it. Like what's the best practice for you? Just as of recently, we've been doing that. Um, I'm definitely not the best person in regards to like outsourcing. I'm definitely learning a bunch of myself as well. But just now recently, we're doing that for um, like people in the business that are like customer service or very like kind of lower level, easier task. Um, and I found that like SOPs definitely help quite a bit. And just like, hey, like this is how we do things. And if people can adapt to that then it makes it a lot easier so yeah now we're recently been doing that yeah okay makes sense where do you usually hire people is it like from usa and they work remotely or it's like usually philippines and other places yeah so it's definitely a mixture um i my business is set up um like where, where my business is at i have i heard people like domestically around there we definitely have a lot more domestic people than virtual assistants uh, i use the site onlinejobs.ph to get virtual assistants um, but it's usually like people that are domestic, uh, that are 
in similar time zones and things like that. We have people in Canada and the U.S. Um, but yeah, I would say mostly it's domestic. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Usually people, when they say about outsourcing, is outsourcing outside the United States. That's the, yeah, the, the usual I mean, one. I've hired VAs, but and VAs are good. I think the only issue that comes with a lot of things, it, it's definitely a very fine line with the virtual assistants. I've seen a lot of virtual assistants who um, they start working with you. They're great at the start. And then they take on four other people's like jobs. And now they're like working for four other people. And then the quality starts to get lower. So it's, like we have a couple of VAs that have been on our team for such a long time, but it, it's definitely hard to find um, really high quality VAs. I would say, I mean, there's some really high quality ones, but I don't know for some task in our business, it's a little, it's better just for us to have, be domestic. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. If you can pay them and it's profitable, it doesn't matter. Then just go with domestic. Yep. Okay. Well, why did, why do you spread, spread so far? You have a, uh, personal brand, you have an eBay business, you have an Amazon business, and I don't know, you mentioned a software as well. Yeah, so it actually, it sounds like I'm spreading myself thin, but it all really is, relates to the same thing. So it's all relates to around selling on Amazon, which, you know, our stuff on eBay, like we sell some things on eBay, we sell things on Walmart, we have things on Shopify and a bunch of other marketplaces, but it all stems from the same inventory. So it's like, it's just a different little area to make more assets in. Um, my personal brand relates to about selling on Amazon. So it's what I do every single day. And my software is actually a tool that I use in my Amazon business that we wouldn't be able to operate my Amazon business without the software. And then we also sell the software ourselves. So, um, yeah, it's definitely, it, it seems like it's very wide and spread out thin, but it's all relates to the same thing. Really. It's basically like a circle around e-commerce, like Amazon in this case. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, um, and they all kind of grow together. Yeah, sense. makes sense. Tell me what's a better option or route to go. Is it drop shipping or Amazon? I assume Amazon is FBA or something like that. So yeah, drop shipping. I mean, it's, I've came across a lot of people who've tried drop shipping. Like if you can try to do drop shipping on Amazon, it's, you'll get suspended, but it just, it's a, in today's world, like people want things fast. Amazon has set just a huge standard for many people that like in the U S things get there in one to two days with prime delivery and people just trust Amazon quite a bit. So like I've, I mean, I don't know. I, it's the success rate with people trying to make, make Shopify drop shipping sites is just extremely low. And I just think there's a lot of just short term value of all of it. There's not really a lot of long term value of it. So I would definitely say with Amazon, it's the way to go to either create up your own brand or to sell other big brands on Amazon. Um, yeah, drop shipping is definitely a lot harder. You just run into so many customer issues. Customers don't like it. They can find the stuff for cheaper. Um, and people just trust Amazon so well. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Definitely. If they need to wait to two weeks, especially in the uh, United States, it's going to be yeah. weird. Exactly. They're, they'll file a charge back on their credit card if it's two weeks. So it's like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's too, too, too much headache. Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite uh, Amazon strategy? Like what your strategy is different than the other ones? Like yeah, what's your so approach? Of, yeah. A lot of people um, like, you know, talk about selling on Amazon. A lot of people have courses and things like that. Um, the reason why I actually got on YouTube a few years ago was because I saw there was a lot of misleading information and content about selling on eBay and Amazon because a lot of people were preaching about like, uh, creating up your own brand from scratch and you can just create a really, 
you can just create whatever listing. There was a bunch of people who made a bunch of money selling fidget spinners and a bunch of fad products. And they thought they were like these Amazon gurus and reality. They don't know how it all works. So um, what I do is I actually don't create up my own brands on Amazon. Um, I don't drop ship. I don't do arbitrage. I actually source um, from distributors. So think of like Target or Walmart or GameStop, um, like big box stores, Best Buy. I practically do what they do, um, which is like, if you think of Best Buy, right? Best Buy, they sell thousands and thousands of different electronics, but they don't own any of the brands. They source from the manufacturers and distributors and they just buy at lower prices and sell at retail. That's exactly what I do in my Amazon stores. I just source from manufacturers, distributors, and wholesalers of products that are already in demand that I can see on Amazon that customers already want. And I just buy them low. So practically my main focus is finding the right suppliers, being able to go source them at the right prices and sell them at retail um, at a higher price. And that's kind of my strategy. So I don't have to really worry about like, how do I get the product ranked up in Amazon, um, which I know how to do all that stuff. Um, or how do I like advertise the right way on Amazon? How do I market the product the right way? How do I you know, make the right images, descriptions, all that stuff uh, with me, the things that I sell, which most of my inventory is actually video games. Um, the listings are already made in Amazon. They're already ranked. They already have reviews. Um, I don't need to spend money on marketing on them. I just need to source the right price and sell the right price. Um, so I mean, that's, yeah, you, that, that's interesting. You cut a lot of pieces or steps in, in building an Amazon. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely more simple. I mean, it's, I would say if you're going to go create your own brand on Amazon, there's definitely like, you could make a higher profit margin. I have, you know, some close friends that I know that built really successful Amazon stores of their own brand. It's just a lot harder and it takes a lot more skills required, I would say, um, for that. But yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Tell me basically your Piggy baking, like how, how you call it that on Amazon, yeah, like on their yep. listings. Exactly. Yeah, nice. That's interesting feature that you can do on Amazon. Uh, can you actually change a little bit on the listing from your side, like to make a little bit SEO friendly? Because some of the big brands, they have like, a, I don't know, stupid listings compared with, with the others. Yeah, so sometimes you're not allowed to an Amazon um, because yeah, some of the, the big brands that we've seen with like Hasbro Mattel, they have really awful listings. Like it's just like the, the images are awful. They're disgusting. So sometimes what we'll do is we can actually notify Amazon, like say, Hey, um, can we, you know, make this listing change to this and that. And sometimes they'll approve it. Um, but yeah, then also like there's some brands that I work with directly where we're practically the, like the exclusive seller with them. So we can work very closely with them that we can help them out with um, having the right SEO, having the right description and having, getting more reviews, things like that. So with brands that we work with that we're the only seller of them that, yeah, we're, we practically control the entire listings, but for the big brands that we sell, it's typically that we're not able to change the listings. Um, you, you can kind of get around it, but sometimes Amazon does not like it. If you try to go create a new listing with the same UPC code and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. Definitely. How many products that you actually have now? Right now across the accounts that we have, we have a thousand active SKUs. Wow. Um, our, our main store has, I think it's about 300 to 400 right now. Um, but yeah, so it's, yeah. So, so how does the, the system works? Like you buy, let's say wholesale 100 pieces of Mitel phones, for example, I don't know, and you just send them to, to Amazon and they ship or it's some kind of a drop ship model between the distributor and Amazon. 
Yeah, so what we do is, so there's two ways to sell on Amazon. You can do a thing called FBM, which stands for Fulfillment by Merchant. People who do drop shipping would be under the FBM category, or you can have a warehouse or an office that you ship out directly to consumers. Uh, yeah. A small percentage of our sales are off of that. We don't really do that that much. Right now, because of the coronavirus, we've actually been doing a lot more of that because um, Amazon's taking a really long time to ship out stuff. So we actually have found out that we can make more profits um, and customers actually would rather buy from us doing FBM because Amazon's taking so long. But in normal times, not during the coronavirus, most of our sales are off of FBA, which stands for Fulfillment by Amazon, where what we do is we source from distributors. So our distributors are in the United States, in California, Florida, New York, um, Texas, and we'll buy um, in bulk from our suppliers. So it's not drop shipping, we buy in bulk. And then when we buy them, let's say they're on a pallet, so now we own this pallet of products, we then get shipping labels from Amazon that are like pallet labels, things like that, and we download them in our Amazon account, send them to our wholesale or distributor, and the distributor sends them directly to Amazon. And then now Amazon checks them in, they make sure they're all good, um, into FBA, they scan them in, and when Amazon checks them out all well, um, they put them active into our store and then customers can buy them at any single time. And then Amazon ships out directly to the consumer. Um, so yeah, practically the supplier ships directly to Amazon and Amazon ships to the consumers. Yeah. No. Okay. Well, okay. That, that's interesting. You just need to invest pretty, uh, some, let's say some of money upfront to get the gains. That's the difference. Drop shipping. You don't have to invest in stock. Yeah. So with this, well, you do have to put money up front, which usually helps you get a better cost compared to drop shipping, things like that. Um, but yeah. How do you know which product is good so you can invest money? Yeah, so that's all going to relate to Amazon. There's a thing called a, a BSR, best sellers rank, um, which okay. practically just ranks the products. Like number one is the fastest selling and a million is not really fast. Um, it depends on the categories. So like video games, for example, if the rank is like above 15,000, it practically doesn't sell, but practically you take that best sellers rank and there's like free tools out there. I know Jungle Scout has a free tool. AMZ Scout has a free tool that practically converts that sales rank into roughly sales per month. Um, so then you find out like how much it is sales per month based off of one of the free estimator calculators. Um, so then you take that number like, okay, it shows that this listing, this product is getting like 2000 sales per month. But now you're not going to get all of those because there could be other sellers. There could be four sellers, five sellers, whatever it may be. And then there's a thing in Amazon called a buy box, which practically let's say um, we have this, like, this is like an essential oil spray right here. Let's say this is selling for like $20 on Amazon. There may be um, an Amazon seller. Let's say it's um, ABC wholesale that they're sell selling and it. it's going to say um, sold by ABC wholesale and fulfilled by Amazon, practically any seller who is doing FBA, who is selling in new conditions and at the same exact buy box price will be in the thing called the buy box rotation. So let's say there's two sellers that are selling on a product that has 2000 sales per month and practically they would each get about a thousand. Amazon's going to rotate it equally um, off the amount of sessions and things like that. Um, but yeah, that's practically how it work is you get the amount of sales per month, the amount of people that are in the buy box, which practically the people who are going to win the buy box, except right now, because of the coronavirus, sometimes FBM sellers are winning it is that sellers are doing FBA, which practically means Amazon is handling the shipping. The products are in new conditions. And if they're at the same exact buy box price, then they're going to be in the rotation. 
anyone who is selling used FBM or at a higher price is not going to get in that rotation, which most Amazon sellers don't even know that. Most Amazon sellers will just price at whatever point they'll sell used, they would do FBM, and they don't realize that's practically losing them out on like 95% of the sales. Um, but yeah, so that's how you can tell if it sells or not. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. How, how can you actually win the buy box? Basically buy boxes. If you have, let's say 10 sellers for the exact product, yeah. there is some kind of algorithm that decides which seller they're going to sell the product. So basically it's like customer is going to buy one exact product, but it has 10 stores and he needs to, when it's in retail, he will decide where to go. In this case, Amazon will, will say you'll buy from this guy. Kind Any of, tricks? Yeah, if you go into Amazon and you just hit add to cart or buy now, you just added your inventory from one specific seller because mm -hmm. in very small font, it's going to show um, like sold by ABC wholesaler, sold by Bo Crable store and filled by Amazon. Um, there can only be one seller at that buy box at one time, but it rotates equally um, if sellers are selling new FBA and at that same price. So if someone's one penny above, they're not going to get that rotation if someone's selling used or FBM, they're not going to get that rotation at all. So. Okay. 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 So, so how can you actually keep track of 1000 products? Because some, somebody can skew the numbers like one penny and he will get the buy box and the rest will be screwed. Any yes. automation so, there? That's actually where we have virtual assistants um, that actually literally just go in. So there's two things. There's uh there's repricer tools on Amazon or practically that can automatically update your price. We sometimes use those, um, sometimes not. It depends off the SKUs. If the thing's selling not that fast, then we'll probably just like have a virtual assistant manage over it. Seems that it's fine. If the thing's selling extremely fast, then we'll put a repricer onto it so where it manage, like automatically updates the price. But then there's like minimums and maximums, so we don't go down so low or so high. Uh, but yeah, practically we have two virtual assistants that just scan through all of our listings every single day and. On Amazon, it actually makes it really easy to read because you can go into your managed inventory and it will show you if you're at the lowest price. So practically, you know, our VA can just scan our, his eyes and say, oh, okay, this one says we're not the lowest price. Okay, do we need to update it? Um, so like, yeah, it's a thousand active SKUs, but it's probably what we see on average only, I would say like there's 50 SKUs that we have to actually like change the price each day. Because um, a lot of them we don't really need to that much because we don't have a lot of inventory or they're selling out or they're not even changing at all. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> Jeff Bezos created an interesting platform for selling. Yeah, he did. So uh, Amazon's definitely makes a good cut because obviously Amazon they they take fees out of it all. Um, about sixty percent of the sales on Amazon come from third party sellers. But yeah, you know Jeff Bezos, he's he's definitely making money uh, one way or the other. Yeah, he's making a lot of money. Tell me, after coronavirus, after this crisis, after this social distancing, what do you think is going to happen with e-commerce versus retail? Yeah, I think there's definitely going to be a lot of ripple effects because um, I had a spar of mine that was in Florida that was the main distributor for Toys R Us of video games. So practically, mm -hmm. Toys R Us, they would sell video games, things like that. Um, and this supplier would practically would supply them with video games. Um, and the supplier went off of net terms, meaning that they would sell to Toys R Us, but then they would not get paid for like 90 days. So yeah. Toys R Us would take in millions and millions of dollars inventory and they would go pay them back just because that's how they would work on credit terms because Toys R Us is a big company. When Toys R Us went out of business and they went bankrupt, 
that distributor also went bankrupt. So when a lot of people see that there's retail stores going out of business, what people don't see is that there's a lot of distributors and wholesalers that also get destroyed if their main business is selling to retail stores. Um, I know that most of my suppliers, 70%, 80% are actually, um, their business was to brick and mortar stores. So what I've noticed mm -hmm. just recently, there's a lot of suppliers that are now like, we are definitely willing to take Amazon sellers right now because they're like, there's no one else they can sell to. So, um, I mean, I don't know. I, I, no one can really predict. No one has a really magic ball, but I feel like there's definitely probably a lot of retail stores that are not going to be able to recover from this, which is then going to cause a lot of wholesalers and distributors. that are going to be like, okay, we either need to adapt right away or they're also going to go bankrupt. So I think like Amazon sellers are going to be a lot more in demand now that like distributors and wholesalers really want Amazon sellers business because if their business was mostly to brick and mortar stores, now they're like, well, we don't know where, what else is going to happen. So I think, I mean, I don't know. I don't think retail will ever go away, but definitely I think because of this, a lot of businesses will probably go out of business for this. And a lot of suppliers and middlemen are going to be like, uh, we need some e-commerce sellers now. So, yeah. yeah. So, so, so basically e-commerce will fulfill the vacuum that is going to be created. I think so. Yeah. People are still going to, people are still going to buy stuff. Like consumers will always buy things. They always need stuff. So I don't think consumer shopping, I mean, it'll probably go down a little bit, but um, people are still going to buy just cheaper end things. I think. Yeah. And especially toilet paper. <laughs> are you you should is, be selling toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. I know a couple of people that are selling toilet paper right now and they're, they're doing very well. So yeah. Masks and, and toilet paper or, People are buying video games like crazy. Nintendo Switches were selling for like 600 bucks. We can't even imagine it. It's like, so. Wow. Yeah. People are going to spend money either way. You just need to, to get the right product basically or service. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. Tell me, uh, how can you help people? I know that you have a personal brand. You have a book. What is it about? What if people want to start Amazon from scratch, let's say? Yeah. So I have a lot of content um, on my YouTube channel that I have, I have a couple hundred videos on there. Uh, my book practically, my book gives a little bit of story about myself, but then really is just a very educational format of like, okay, this is step one. This is how you set up an Amazon account. This is, you know, the business models that you could get into. This is how Amazon selling works. This is how you find products, things like that. So my book covers a lot of information on that. I have some courses out there as well that are kind of, you can study at home with. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would think my YouTube channel is a pretty good place to start off with to see if you want to do it. Um, and it definitely, if you want to learn right away, I have my book, um, that's out there. You can get on Amazon or I don't know if I'm allowed, but my website's bokerable.com slash book where you just have to pay mm -hmm. shipping for it. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So basically they can go on your website slash book, right? Yeah. And so they, they will get it for free. Can you say the, exactly the domain for people that are listening? Yeah. So it'll be Bo Crable, which is B. E A U C R A B I L L dot com slash book B O O K. Um, if it's international, I think we have fourteen dollars ninety five for shipping, um, and domestic is seven ninety five for shipping. So yeah, okay, okay, makes sense, makes sense. And also, you do have some kind of courses about starting an Amazon business, right? Yeah, so like if you're fully ready to get going, and like I mean, my book covers pretty much everything you need. But if you want to learn something like in video format and um, over the shoulder, things like that. I have a course out there on my uh, website as well. Um, you'll be able to see it just by going to my website. I think there'll be a section that says programs. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Perfect. And do, do you offer like a coaching or is it just like a course video course? 
We sometimes um, offer coaching. Yeah, the, we can do for some people, but we definitely advise that like if people are going to want to get personal coaching, we want them to like at least have a really solid understanding first. So it's a good value for them. Um, like gone through my book at least first or the course and everything. Um, but yeah. Yeah, basically to be prepared to have a basic understanding. You don't need to tell them where to press or what to do. That's like waste of time. Yeah, we're not going to want you to like, we're not going to want to spend so much time going over the shoulder on how to get your Amazon account set up and things like that. We want to be more like, you know. Or to make money out of it, like a little yeah, bit exactly. advanced. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, what's your goal in the next decade, 2030? Like where, where do you see yourself? You have a lot of things going like. Yeah. So on the product side of my business, the main things I really want to accomplish is actually just kind of, you know, reinvesting back into my business, just grow up as much as possible and start to actually transition myself into like buying up distributors and wholesalers, um, potentially buying up like retail businesses, things like that. Maybe not retail, but really just try to see how I can, you know, make up a bigger market share of the, like the video game space and um, everything I'm doing on that. Um, for my software and stuff, we definitely want to get as many people into it. There's um, a lot of people who use types of softwares on Amazon, but we just want to make that as big as possible and really just try to see how we can always improve and just make the best experience for every single person that comes in contact with us that buys our services. Um, and yeah, that's, that's really kind of vague, but really just kind of constant improvement going on. Yeah. Yeah. Make makes sense. What exactly your software does? Cause there are, I don't know, hundreds of softwares there. Yes. So my software is pretty simple in my business of selling on Amazon. Um, when my suppliers are sending me off deals, they're going to either send off a deal. Um, that's just like one product say, Hey, do you want to buy this essential oil spray? Or they're going to send a massive spreadsheet that has hundreds, thousands, or even tens of thousands of products on that spreadsheet for me to manually go check to see if the products are selling or well, or what's the best ones to go sell from 10,000 products on a spreadsheet. It's going to take like months to figure that out. It could take a very long time. You could take a lot of employees and all that stuff. Um, so what my software does instead is you can get a long spreadsheet like that. It can be unlimited. It could be hundred thousand products on a spreadsheet, whatever it may be. Right. And you download the spreadsheet into a CSV um, file and you can upload it to the software and the software. Now um, you're going to put some filters into it. So you can say, Hey, I only want to see products that are making at least $2 profit. Um, they have at least a 20% ROI and have a sales rank of under a certain amount. So then the software is going to say, okay, great. These are the filters. We're then going to go show you only products from this spreadsheet and output the data that shows the profits on Amazon, the sales ranks on Amazon, all the data that you have. So you can just have it laid out like, okay, these are the good products to go sell. These are profitable. And here's all the numbers off of them. And it takes like usually around like three to four minutes to go find all that all with like a couple thousand lines of spreadsheets. Um, but yeah, so practically the software does, it really just helps you find products a lot faster and gives you all the data just within minutes compared to you know, doing all the research yourself. So yeah. Okay. So in some way it uh, automate your work, everything exactly. is going yeah. through automation. So yeah, practically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Any, any other tips that you can advise regarding automation with Amazon? Maybe it's not a good advice for beginners, but a little bit advanced user, it will be a good deal. Yeah. So I'm trying to think for, you know, advanced Amazon seller. Um, I mean, with the business model that I do, there's not really a lot of complications with it. I mean, I'm trying to think, I mean, definitely just always try to build relationships with people, with your suppliers. That's really the biggest thing. Like there's, you can't really automate that. Yeah. But at the end yeah. of the day, like whoever can buy at the lowest price and sell at the highest price wins. And like the biggest thing with that is building the right relationships with those suppliers because a lot of the suppliers can have really good deals, 
but they may not want to go send it off to every single person on their list. Like if they have 10,000 sellers they can go sell to and they have a product that they know that every single seller will want to go sell, but they only have 2000 units. They're not going to want to say, Hey, 10,000 people, do you want to sell this product? Cause they know they're gonna to have to say no to 9,999 yeah. people. One person says yes. So they'd rather just text someone like me say, Hey, Bo, we know that you've done this. We know that, you know, you get sales on Amazon. We know that you want to buy these, do you just want these real quick? And that's where a lot of really good deals happen is where you have a good relationship with the supplier. You've made deals with them. And then they, they have like amazing deal coming on and they're like, Hey, do you want this real quick? So yeah. what I would really say is just focus a lot of your time on building up the relationship, focusing on a few suppliers and just try to really, you know, gain the relationships with them on that. Perfect. Perfect. I love that. I, I don't think you cannot, you cannot automate care and networking. Yeah. Yeah. You cannot do that. You cannot do yeah, that. Yeah, okay. No way to automate that. Process. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay. Uh, any last thoughts before we go? No, but I mean, definitely. Thank you for having me on. Um, you know, the biggest thing I always tell people to try to take action with everything you do, but yeah, I hope that people learn about Amazon I mean, Amazon's it keeps going up. A lot of people are moving there. If someone's a brand listen to this and like, you're trying to get on Shopify, things like that. Like it definitely is smart to try to get your brand at least on Amazon. Um, so yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it's Amazon is not saturated. There is a still space for, let's say new, new sellers. And it depends what people are trying to do, right? There's definitely certain business models that I would say are saturated. There's certain categories, products, um, but there's always a lot of new opportunities coming out. Like a lot of these brands are coming out with crazy new types of products. When a new movie comes out, a new line of products comes out. Um, when Star Wars comes out with a bunch of different things like these baby Yoda. Um, but yeah, and there's always a lot of opportunities. Um, so, and you know, Amazon keeps growing and more and more people are flocking there. So definitely it's a, it's a good place to go. I would say so. To start. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, but once again, thank you for sharing your knowledge and I'm impressed that you actually started so, so young and actually the success that you gathered probably people in their lifetime at this point that they haven't achieved. And I definitely see your growing and personal brand and building a big stores. And definitely uh, the people that are listening should check out your website and get the book. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much, Philip. Yeah. Okay. So guys, thank you for listening. You can go at remotepreneurs.com. Also the social media accounts is uh, at remotepreneurs. I'm mostly active on Instagram. And go there. I'm going to include show, show notes with a link that uh, from from the book. And I'm going to create some a little bit like a summary of the episode, explaining pretty much everything that we covered here. So it will be easier for you. Okay. Uh, thank you for tuning in, and I guess see you next Monday. Bye bye. Sounds good. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the podcast to be the first to hear new episodes. And if you feel that this episode provided you with value, we invite you to share this podcast with a friend that is trying to escape the matrix and create his or her own remote economy. Visit remotepreneurs.com and join the email list to receive this episode's show notes and a welcoming gift.